Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. This week's guest is Buck Curran. For a decade, he played as part of the psych folk duo Arborea. He struck out on his own and has released a new solo album, No Love Is Sorrow. Currently, Buck and his family are living in Bergamo, Italy, which is the epicenter of the COVID-19 virus in Europe. So Buck tells me a lot about the new album and what's behind many of the songs on the album, but as a touring musician in Europe, he gets pretty candid about how the current lockdown situation is impacting his family. If you like the music, please consider picking up his work on Bandcamp, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or wherever you purchase your downloads. Look for him on social media so you can see when he's able to tour both Europe and North America again. Now let's jump right into Buck Curran. Okay. Uh, Hi, this is uh, Buck Curran. My new album is called uh, No Love is Sorrow, and it's uh, available through all the digital formats around the world, um, Bandcamp and Apple Music. Vinyl should be coming out in October uh, via ESP Disc, my label in the United States. I'm thankful to uh, Mark for having me on Performance Anxiety, and uh, luckily I don't have too much anxiety at the moment because Mark's such a great guy to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, thanks thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, and uh, I appreciate it. So the, the first thing that I like to do is uh, find out a little bit about how you got into music and a little bit about your history and your background. And uh, so what I'd like to know initially is how did you get started with music? Did did you have a musical family? Was there a lot of uh, records playing in the house and, and what were you, what type of music were you into as a kid? Yeah. Um, it was really, uh, because my, only my grandmother, uh, my dad's mom played, uh, some organ, you know? Okay. So there wasn't really any kind of uh, music in in the family in that regard, but my parents had a great record collection. Like, uh, you know, they, they had a really mixed uh, bag of things, uh, classical music like John Williams, oh. which uh, what really blew me away in regards to uh, hearing a guitar, just solo guitar. Okay. And hearing this kind of perfection and tone and everything. And, and then at the same time, they had Tim Buckley and the OJs, a lot of soul music, oh, cool. or, uh, a lot of folk, uh, you know, Simon Garfunkel, stuff like that. So that definitely had a big uh, influence on on me. Uh, electric guitar took a little bit longer to kind of uh, sink in. Oh, really? Because, of course, they had the Frampton record. Yeah. Everybody had that. Uh, I, I I remember putting that on like every year at some point. And eventually it clicked, but at first it didn't. It was uh I I think I uh I don't know, I, I liked more folky elements or something, just naturally, you know. Okay, yeah. And as a kid, uh, of course I I was always uh I loved Elvis, so I'd you know, go around singing, you know. There was a lot more singing and Okay. Choir kind of oriented things, you know. Ah, okay, so, okay, yeah. That that was going to be one of the yeah. questions. Was did you always sing? So, 
Yeah. That, and then eventually my, my dad got a guitar, a uh, classical guitar, and had a teacher come to the house. And, you know, I would see them interact. And, but, you know, he, he really didn't do much with it. Oh, no. It ended up under, you know, under the bed more <laughs> often than not. I don't, it, it just kept pulling me, you know, like, yeah, eventually, uh, eventually he gave me the, the guitar, you know, and then we had moved from Detroit down to Ohio. And so you're talking like seventh, eighth grade and Ooh. a lot of kids were listening to ACDC and stuff, you know, so yeah. I got a little transducer pickup. Um, put it on the classical <laughs> guitar and, and cranked up the amp so the classical guitar would distort, you know, yeah. and try to play uh, in that way. Oh, wow. Know? Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> when did you start playing with bands and playing out in public? Well, okay, as I developed, uh, I, that. Uh, Back in those days, you know, you, you didn't have YouTube and things. So, right. Uh, you know, there was like the Guitar Player magazine to get would that all introduce the you to players. So, you know, I got to learn about uh, Gypsy Jazz, like when Birelli Legrand was young. He was featured in that magazine, so it made me go out and, like, influence me enough to uh, the articles that I would go seek out the records. Right, you know? yeah. And so, and then flamenco and stuff like that. But of course, for me, it's like as much as my friends were into shredding stuff, I kind of like, as far as, especially in regard to electric music, I always gravitated more towards like what Clapton was doing in Cream. These kind of like long sustaining notes. Yeah. You know, and BB King, these things like this. So, um, so there was that part of it, you know, I had these heavy like folk and world music things mixed with contemporary like, oh, Jimi Hendrix, of course. Yeah. For many people uh, just blew me away. Also, not not just for the guitar playing, but for the poetry, you know, the songwriting still yeah. uh, blows me away today, actually. Actually, that's become even more of an important element when I listen to his music. You, you know, know, that, you know, that's a really good point because I, I, I kind of feel the same way about Hendrix because I got into Hendrix for the blistering riffs and the feedback and the, the, the bombastic element to, to his guitar playing. And it's only since I, I've kind of matured in, in my listening over the past, you know, de couple decades, you know, in my mid forties now. So, you know, that the, the, the lyrical aspect of his music means more to me. I still love the, 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 you know, fire and brimstone guitar, you know, voodoo child is still just incredible, but yeah. the, you know, the lyrical aspect of the wing, you know, wing cries Mary of six was nine, things like that. You know, it's just, that means a lot more to me now that I grow up. Yeah. And I, I you know, also with lead guitar, um, I kind of, the, like, year after year, the more I listen to shredding music, to me it didn't really make much sense because even going to sh concerts and listening to favorite guitar players, you know, like, within a week out, I could never remember the, what the hell they 
they'd play. Yeah. It was just a blur. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, you could go like here. Uh, I don't know anybody. Certain, definitely certain Jimi Hendrix stuff, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Uh, Eric Clapton. And you could still remember it was more like a voice. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because there's that well, feeling to it. There's an yeah. emotion to the playing and it's not just speed for speed's sake. Yeah. And so, you know, with my own playing, just thinking about uh, creating that tone, you know, working on the voice of the note. You know, okay. Uh, I I certainly have a lot of friends and contemporary musicians that I I play a lot of concerts with, and they have this really developed uh, right hand uh, approach to playing guitar, and I'm more in the left hand. Yeah, I I so. I, I can definitely hear that with the the dexterity, the the hammers and the pull offs and the interesting phrasings. It's just yeah, I, I definitely feel what you're saying when you when you say that i'm, I'm thinking back specifically to your, your song for your son song for liam that's just i absolutely love that track that's a beautiful song even remember how exactly how that particular <laughs> song came together in the way that it did except for there's some kind of a chordal melodic imagery in there that um for some reason i was uh kind of reflecting on on music by bert yanch oh you know? yeah yeah so so i don't know i, I as all my music's created, it's uh, it's really not created on the guitar per se. Okay. I'm I'm always away from the instrument, oh. and it, you know, um, and it and a melody will come into my mind, and then maybe a second section, and and then I have to go to the guitar and find it. You wow! Know? Oh wow! So that's fascinating. Uh, and so that's that's pretty much my my way that I approach things. And uh, uh, somebody was commenting on the there's like a long instrumental called well it's the title track for my new album, uh, and they were talking about how uh, I don't know like it it sounded like it was uh, composed in a way, but actually it's like ninety percent improvised. Really. Yeah. Oh my God. So that's uh, so you talk about uh, no love mix. and sorrow. Yeah, there's there's a mix the way that that I record uh, how recordings are made and how they end up on records. They're either almost entirely improv improvised, or they've been composed away from the guitar, and then I have to find the voicings. You know, and the spots, and oh. and I I always try to stay within one or two tunings. That way, when I play a live show, I don't have to do too much. You know, 
<laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I mean, almost entirely in the last two years on the acoustic guitar, I've been using Dadgad. Okay. And, uh, and also, of course, I've I've heard a lot of people say, oh, Dadgad doesn't make too much sense. It's like, uh, it's not like the best tuning for harmony and stuff like that. And uh, I always kind of thought of that as a, a challenge. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, but uh, I also play with a girl, um, a woman, amazing musician. Her name is Ad Adaya. And I travel to Switzerland a lot and play concerts with her. And then in in her band setting, I strictly play electric guitar. Okay. I play slide. And she's doing, she's playing uh, banjo and acoustic guitar. And she's a multi-instrumentalist. She can play anything, flutes. Uh, oh, wow. And I always play my, my Strat or whatever electric guitar I have in Dadgad up against what she's doing. Oh, really? Yeah. So, Which is what, what I did in Arborea, my duo, for 10 years, you know? Right, yeah. And then I just use a capo a lot if I need to, you know, change oh. things. You know? Okay, okay. So, so how did how did you start with Arborea? Is that uh, was that just uh, were you actually looking to start a band and 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 you just found each other or? Was it well, uh, you know, Shanti and and I were married for like seven years before uh, we we started doing. The music that would become Arborea. Okay. I knew she could sing, and uh, when we first got together, uh, we were listening to. I was introducing a lot of like British folk music to her, like June Tabor and Martin Simpson. Okay. Uh, a lot of things like that, and I knew she could sing, and I kind of envisioned a time when we might be able to, you know, make music in that way. Yeah. You know, I liked the concept of uh, acoustic guitar and 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 voice. You know, yeah. making this as much of a sound a big, I don't know, soundscape as we could make in that regard. But uh, when we first started, I one of the key things was is that I bought her a banjo, okay. and it was like in a in a a B minor tuning. And uh, I started playing slide guitar, and she just started. She just naturally started doing these like syncopations and in, in this way of finger picking. Okay. And and it was almost like in that first summer together, the the sound was there. We yeah. just we just did like backyard jams, you know, for a year. Then start I started writing some things. She started writing some things, and then the following year. We put our first album out. Oh you know? man! And that so, and so that lasted for ten years. Then, well, uh, we started in two thousand five, and then we played our last uh, European tour. We were on the road for a month, 
uh, from Italy all the way to Sweden in 2015. Okay. Wow. So yeah, and uh, you know we have we have been on the road a, a long time, and and Shanti was definitely tired. And, yeah. And she deserved a break, and uh, she decided, uh, you know, to stop playing for the for the meantime, you know. And uh, we've talked about doing some things together. I we're not in a rush to do that because we did so much work together. But yeah. as far as the band going on hiatus, uh, I needed to, to keep working, you know, oh, yeah. uh, with, with music, and I love I love traveling so. You know, it wasn't a thing for me to stop in that regard. Right. You know, so and which is <laughs> a problem right, right. now. Yeah. <laughs> so you're currently in Italy in Bergamo. Yeah, and I I met my wife Adele when I was on tour, and met you know several years ago, and uh, so. I ended up uh, here at the time. I was spending a lot of time in Switzerland, okay, um, playing with Adaya, recording on her first solo record, and and uh, I called my friend up in in the north of Italy and uh, said, "Hey, I want to do a couple shows. Um, do, do you want to do a short tour?" So, you know, on that tour, uh, Adele had organized a show for me in, here in Bergamo. So. Yeah, and I had met her the night before in uh, in uh, Milan. Okay. And then my friend who I was on tour with already uh, knew about her and, and played some of her music for for me, you know. Okay. Although at the time I didn't know that was her singing. Oh, cool. I didn't relate the Adele H in the video that my friend Paolo was showing me to the person I ended up uh you know, meeting <laughs> now who I'm with. You know? so. So, and so you're there, and then you, you just decide to to stay, or had you moved to to Italy beforehand? So we hung out, and then uh, and then I went back up to the north of Italy, up in the in Vatalina, this mountainous area, and stayed for a week. And in Adele and I started talking, so. Um, I decided on my way back to Switzerland to stop and, and visit her. And, uh, so I was gone for about a week at, like I visited her and then I went to Switzerland to play some gigs with Adaya. And then we were talking and we decided we didn't want to be apart oh, from each other. Wow. So I came back and then eventually like that Christmas and new year's, uh, she, came back with uh, me to Maine okay. and got to meet my, my older kids with, you know, Shanti and I yeah. had kids together. They're uh, 17 and 21 now. You oh, know, man. So, yeah. So after that period, I went back to Italy and stayed for a little bit, but then I had to go back to Maine again. I was, I was in 2016 in Maine for like five months okay. before coming back here. You know. Okay. So it's been a it's been a lot of back and forth, but in the last two years uh, since uh, Adele and I had our son Francesco, uh, I've been here. You know. So you moved to Italy for love. That's un that's perfect for Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a perfect Italian story. That that could be yeah. a, an Italian opera. Hey, there you go. There's <laughs> there's a project for you. So, yeah, right. <laughs> 
but I, I I wanted to tell you how much I, I I love the tone of your guitar. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it reminds me of, of like Ry Cooter, John Fahey. Uh, the, the playing wise, uh, especially Leo Kotke, more in the tone than 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 his style. But it's just it's an incredible, beautiful, clear tone. Is your guitar set up specifically? I mean, or is that just you? Do you can you get that off of any guitar that you just pick up off a wall at a music store? Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, I would say it's it's more me, and the and the reason I say that is because. I've owned a lot of really expensive Martin guitars and stuff. Yeah. And uh, in this period, and especially in the last four years, I have, uh, like, I recorded Morning Haikus with this $140 guitar. <laughs> wow. It's this Yamaha, and it's my road guitar. Oh, there's the tape all over it. The action's the action's super high. Yeah, it's not it's not even very comfortable to play. To be honest with you, <laughs> I have I have a guitar that I built and designed, which I always use on my records, and that guitar sounds great. But I tend like uh, I didn't have that guitar for morning haikus. I uh, afternoon robbers. I had this. Oh wow. And then um, two years ago, well, September, August and September of 2018, I was on the, in the U.S. and I toured from East Coast to West and, and then back. Okay. And uh, when I was in Berkeley, I bought a, uh, well, I needed a, a guitar because I had uh, borrowed one in various places, like uh my friend uh, Riley Walker was kind enough to loan me his guitar for my Chicago uh, show, and he's got a beautiful old guild, you know. Oh, nice. But when I was out in California, so I didn't have a guitar, and I went into this famous old guitar shop there, and I was thinking to find a Yamaha because they're very consistent, you know. Right. And they sound – you can get them. You You can manipulate them. Uh, through technique or whatever to sound really good for strumming or finger style. Okay. You know? Okay. So, um, but then I walked in and in the corner I saw this uh, um, this recording king guitar. You know. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it was. Uh, I ended up buying that because I needed one for the East Coast. This is a beautiful guitar. Oh, wow, yeah. But this guitar was like $120. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And if you listen to the recording, uh, No Love is Sorrow, I'm playing this guitar. Oh, really?
So, um, wow. so I use either the mostly the Yamaha guitar or this guitar on my new album. Man. I only use uh, my my really nice guitar uh, on one or two tracks only. I I, I use the inexpen inexpensive guitars. Uh, the instrumental called uh, For Adele, which mm -hmm. is one of the closest things I have to classical music uh, was recorded with this guitar. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, and I like how the tone came out, you know, yeah. on uh, the recording. But, yeah, I'm definitely playing consciously in specific places. And when I record, I'm listening for things, oh. you know. I'm, 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 I'm definitely working the tone as much as possible. Oh. with the recording you know yeah you got a, a great um and i don't want to say like a percussive style because it's not like um um you're not slapping the guitar and, and doing all that crazy which stuff. which i hate that yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah i you know no i mean i don't actually have any problem with people doing it yeah for me no i don't want to do that i don't i don't like doing loops i like everything to like be naturally moving forward right you know but like uh, in a very uh progressive uh you know um how do you say like uh it's just like indian music that's what i love about indian music it's very natural and it develops naturally on a linear modal path okay yeah okay and you met you mentioned uh right right cooter uh, 20 years ago, that was a very important um, person, you know, for me. Like, yeah. the, um, of course, the Paris, Texas soundtrack and the tone on that is incredible, you know. Yeah. Uh, w one of my favorite, I guess it's more of an EP, is, is that, um, Meeting Across the River that he did. I, I... Yeah, yeah. So, and I was going to say, that's the other album that was a, a major album for me as well, you know, when yeah. it came out. Uh, and you know what? The music aside, the way they talked about how they recorded the album. Yes. That That's what I'm doing now. That's what I've been doing my whole career is wow. like being influenced by, by that. You know, like the idea of field recordings. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that to me. That kind of stuff is fascinating to me. I, I absolutely love that. My son is is big into electronics and all. And I'm trying to get him to uh, to experiment with that. He likes taking things apart. He's he's insane. He buys old TVs and takes <laughs> them apart. And like wow. he he got um, he got this old TV he found on I guess on eBay or something. Yeah, it was either eBay or Amazon. I don't know, but it's his little tiny portable tv from the 80s and it's wow. all just black and white and what he gets the biggest kick out of is a getting it to work again and then b yeah. hooking it up to the cable so that he can watch brand new shows on a little teeny this, old black and white screen <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's great at first i was like this is insane what are you doing and now i'm just like yeah. hey that's your thing okay 
what what can I do? <laughs> what can I do to help you? <laughs> so. That's great, though. I mean, it's really being creative, you know. Yeah, and in a in a way, in that, its own way. Yeah, it, it's completely different than anything I would have thought of. <laughs> right. So, which which I guess is what your kids tend to do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So you're currently on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Have there a lot of people are like you know freaking out about being on lockdown? Have there been any positives? for lockdown for you uh, or your music? Uh, well, yeah, Adele and I were talking about that uh, yesterday with Fran because, uh, I mean, we we went through kind of a really depression phase with this whole, okay. where we didn't feel like playing, you know? Yeah. But eventually, uh, my, my son is going to be three um, in June. He just, uh, well... It didn't. It didn't help by me playing some Jimi Hendrix and stuff, which he just naturally seems to gravitate towards. Or uh, some, <laughs> I showed him some Eric Clapton video uh, <laughs> of him playing with Cream. You know, like uh, it's this famous video from like the last tour where he's okay. explaining how he plays the guitar. Yeah, you know, and he's playing his SG beautiful yeah yeah and uh after that it was like francesco would just be like every day he still does it he's like daddy you know uh electric guitar <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so you know i you know he pretty much grabs me and we go and and he plays like air guitar he brings his uh ukulele and, oh that's awesome yeah and, and he wants me to plug in it's like yeah. actually prefers the electric guitar, <laughs> you know. Hey, there you go. <laughs> See, just just like my son's doing stuff that's opposite. When you were his age, you were you, you gravitated towards classical guitar. He's doing. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, into guitar, yeah. but let's do it this way. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, so that really helped get me out of a you know funk. Really, that's awesome. Um, and and I had really just kind of finished uh um the mixes for my my new album and i had it over to my my mastering guy in uh montreal okay so i knew you know and i was projecting that i would release the album in october and do a tour you know like a u.s tour yeah and uh and then of course you know do a lot of things and in England and, and Europe. And uh, then this thing started hitting, you yeah. know? And uh, usually, I mean, the, with the way my touring cycle goes, I don't have any work in, in December, you know, because of the holidays. Yeah. And that usually spills over into January, you know? Okay. My, my last touring, I was on October and November, and then... There were a few shows in January, a couple in in December only, yeah. but the big, the last big touring was uh, October and November. Wow! So it was really difficult when uh, the government here or the locale, uh, the region decided to go into mand- mandatory lockdown. Yeah, that's uh, and uh, that was March eighth. Uh, but we already started kind of self-isolating earlier because we started hearing about things. Yeah. 
you know, uh, in February. And, uh, but yeah, and we're still, uh, we're still here. <laughs> yeah. we're, nothing's changed. Uh, we have to self certificate. We have to carry like print a certificate if we need to go to the grocery store and walk with that. Wow. You have to wear masks, uh, to go into grocery stores. Everything else has been closed, uh, still closed. I thought now I've heard the, the level of, uh, Infections have, you know, leveled off of new infections. But good. I just looked at the stats, and progressively over the last 30 days, we've lost five to 600 people every day. It's, it's so insane. it went from just over 1,000 at the beginning of this to now over 20, almost 22,000. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> yeah. just, that's, inc that's insane. It, it's I know. So many of, uh, luckily for Adele, her her mom and her dad are, are safe and they've been on quarantine, but we know we had a good friend that died not too long ago. Oh, I'm sorry. A lot of uh, good good friends, parents and grandparents have died here. Oh. It's been very, uh, it's been crazy here in Bergamo specifically. Yeah. I, I have friends down in Tuscany, which we're only talking three and a half hours away, and it's a totally different really? uh, situation down there. Yeah, it's more loose. There's not so much infections in that wow. part of Italy. But here, it's been just staggering. Yeah, and it, it's changed things here. I'm outside of D.C., so I'm about oh, 75 okay. miles west of D.C. in Winchester, home of Patsy Cline. But I've got a, about a 40-mile commute to my job. And uh, so, wow. yeah, so it, it's uh, usually it, it takes, I mean, but we're on major highways. So usually it, it with the traffic going into D.C., because I, I go east for work, it's about, it, it, it takes me, at, I'd say, at least 45 minutes to get to work. And uh, yeah. now, I mean, I, I'm going 40 miles, and I'm, it's taken me 35 minutes. It's there's no wow. traffic. Everybody that is, they're making everybody work from home. Uh, besides my wife, for some reason, they're not letting her work from home. But I can't. Uh, I've got to be. Uh, okay. I've got to be there. But what they're doing for us is they're doing. Uh, they split the staff in half and rotating two weeks on, two weeks off. So, mm -hmm. but it's. But you don't have that kind of restriction, like where there's somebody waiting 10 minutes away that's going to say, no, you can't drive your car through here, right? No, like, not, not um, yet. Not yet. But what they are doing is uh, they've shut down all restaurants and, and, and any like uh, any yeah. venues where, where, public, where there's public gatherings. Um, you can go and get delivery or pick up just about any place that still cares to be open and, and, and you know, serve food or, or things. But um, a lot of stores are limiting the amount of people who can go in. Um, and, yeah. for example, like, like the, in, in Virginia, the state runs the liquor stores. So what they're doing is they're only letting, like, four to five people inside the store. Um, everybody has to, else has to wait outside. They'll motion you in. You just yeah. tell one person what you want, and someone hey. else goes and tries to find it. While you wait in line, they'll bring it up to the register, and so there's, there's basically there's no browsing anymore. 
<laughs> you have to go in and know what you want. So, yeah. And that's my alcoholic self. <laughs> that's my alcoholic experience. <laughs> but, you know, but like uh, the department stores, uh, the, the the mall here, the local mall is completely closed. Everything in that. It's uh, yeah. Um, the department stores, the the, uh, the big box stores, and the and the uh, standalone department stores are um, limiting the number of people inside at a time, and they'll have somebody out there telling you when you can go in, and you know. And sometimes they're they're limiting the amount of time you can stay in. So right. So it, it's it's interesting, and I'm I'm really curious to see what happens once everything starts to subside, if if we go back to normal, or if certain things have changed for good. Yeah, I mean, there's some kind of rumors going around, too, but I, I I forget which. There was a music site yesterday I saw that say, oh, uh, concerts may not come back until, you know, well, I, I'm sure they're talking about big concerts. Yeah. You know, yeah. big gatherings so until uh, next summer. That's what I'm, I'm hearing that about sporting events, too, and that they, they want people to, to social distance until 2022. And... uh mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that that's gonna fly with yeah. with, with corporations like the NFL, uh, baseball, and and you know you know like a, a band like I don't know a big concert drive, I guess like Metallica they can survive without touring for a few years but you know independent artists like yourself really need to, yeah. to get out and tour yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. It, it, it's going to be, I, I can't wait to get through this. Is basically what I'm saying. I and and not just because I want to see what it's like on the other side, but because people that I I know and care about are, are you know they're struggling, they're suffering through all this because they don't have work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I can go to the grocery store. The grocery stores are still open. You don't currently you don't need anything to go in, but they're starting to limit the number of people that that can be in the grocery store at a time. But yeah, and they've got just about everything you need, except for freaking toilet paper. I don't know what the hell the rush is on toilet paper, and why we can't replenish it. What is going on? People have lost their jobs. Maybe the toilet paper companies should start picking up some of these people who are filing for unemployment. Yeah, I don't know why we can't fix the toilet paper situation in this country. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I always get like, yeah. Uh, it's insane. It's my friends sending me photos of the, like, uh, you know, my my ex Chanti, uh, you know, she'll send me photos of uh, empty shelves. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. It, we had we had like one or two days where people panicked, uh, on, like everybody. But yeah, that of quickly that quickly filtered down, and and we haven't had a problem since then. You know, and people are very courteous with each other. And I mean, I even hear from friends in different parts of like England or where in other places where they actually get joked for wearing a mask. Wow. In public. You know, and it's like, uh, thank God Italy's not like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're making I us think- wear masks at work. Masks, and we wear gloves anyway because we, we touch parts, you know, parts that are going into surgery. So, uh, but it is mandatory that we wear a mask. So, yeah, it just helps everybody all the way around. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Why do you? Yeah. Why, what's the anxiety with the? 
yeah, and but the funny thing is, uh, some and and leave it to leave it to people to uh, to figure out how to make an, a weird situation interesting. There are people who are making a, the crazy designs on surgical masks. Like you can get college logo your your favorite college football team's logo on <laughs> on a mask. It's just it's awesome. It, it's it's <laughs> right. so cool. <laughs> Let's go back to the music a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I wanted to ask you a question about um, a song in particular here, and um, I got a, a war behind the sun. I love that track. I I, I love you're playing with Ebo because that's that's the I don't even know what it is. It's 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 fascinated me for years, Mm. and I it's um and I don't know if it's an effect if it's an instrument into its into itself. I don't know what you consider it, but Ebo fascinates me, and and you use it a bit uh, quite a bit, and I love it. Can you? But and War Behind the Sun is different. I mean, it's like. It's really crazy using it too. I, it's, I've always found it hard to be very consistent with it. I mean, I, I've, I've worked it into a way where I can use it in specific ways that work. But sometimes it just, it's like uh, riding a wild horse, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the important thing is, is, uh, you know. Like, this guitar is nice because it's only got two pickups. Right. Uh, for years with Arbori, I was playing the Debo and I had the Strat. Well, now you have three uh, pickups with, with the magnetic fields. Right. And that's where it gets really crazy. You have to really be subtle. Okay. You know, with, with two pickups being spread wider apart, then you can kind of, like, you know, like lean into it a different way, bring it in slowly, and okay. you know, dynamic things with it. You know, and my poor Ebo, uh, now I've had for so long, it's totally cracked, like oh. everywhere. It's like, uh, oh, wow, the whole you can't see, but the whole there's a crack all the way here. Oh, I can I see duct- it now. Yeah, I had uh, duct tape <laughs> on it. Oh. And it will have duct tape all over it again when I start touring it again. Oh my gosh! Because uh, I'm, if not, if I drop it, it's just going to totally explode. You know? Oh no! But I have a newer one, and I prefer the sound of this one. Oh really? I don't know if something as as these get older, uh, they take on different characteristics with the you know the magnetic. Oh, you know, okay. I never thought of that. But it, it's it's like the new one. There's too much there. Okay. You know? Wow, I never thought of that. I've never uh, written to anybody in Ebo, but you know, um, there was a a time in music when I was hearing the Ebo being used uh, by new wave bands, Flock Seagulls. Yeah. 
the making of the unforgettable fire um brian eno was showing the edge how to use the bow uh and so those you know those were really really early influences when i was very young okay you know and uh i just loved it and and i had to get one now Two interesting things about War Behind the Sun is that uh, there's a Bansuri player, the Indian flute. Oh, okay. And, and that's my friend Nico, who's uh, my wife Adele's one of her oldest friends. He's from Bergamo. Okay. For the last 10 years, he's been living with Hari Prasad Chalareja, like five months out of the year in India. Oh, cool. And he, now he's, I mean, the last couple of years he's been performing with him. Oh, wow. Um, Nico just won a really prestigious, uh, like, Indian music award for a Westerner playing Indian music, you know. Wow. I mean, he's 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 really amazing, you know. And uh, it's really great for me because I am constantly asking Nico questions about ragas and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Things that to get deeper into it because now it's been a long time since I've been listening to sitar music and that's a, also a big influence on my playing. Okay, you know, uh, Pandit Nickel Banerjee, um, a friend of mine who I used to work for years, many many years ago, um, in the late '90s, he had all these CDs of of Banerjee. And uh, uh, Raga Records CDs, you know. Okay. And uh, I just fell in love with his playing, you know. Yeah. Especially, like, the slow alop sections. Like, he was so uh, dynamic and just so complete in the way that he would play and sustain these notes out and stuff, you know. Oh, so wow. became a big influence on me. But anyways, with... Uh, so there's two things like I'm playing that in Dadgad, okay? okay. And uh, Nico, we have been talking about Indian music, and he told me that there's really only one raga for the sunset. Oh. So there's many, you know, ragas for the in the middle of the night or the morning or the afternoon, but there's this one sacred raga, okay. okay. And uh, he showed me, like, the melody, or, and, and in specific, so I was, uh, you know, picked up the guitar, he was playing the Bansuri flute, and he showed me this section, and I thought, oh, I want to incorporate that somehow into the music. Okay. And, uh, and I started thinking, and then I um, came up with that, you know, the, the intervals, that are the introduction okay. of that very quickly. And so I established only that. Okay. And then at the very end of that recording, uh, I, I echo that sunset raga. Right, right. You can hear specific notes in mm -hmm. that after I, I come back and play those, uh, you know, the, the chordal intervals. Yes, yes. That's that's that piece. Okay. But so, in the beginning, after that main the main inter interval, 
the introduction. Yeah. It's strictly improv. Wow. <laughs> for, for all that. And there is another layer. You can hear some underlying, you know, I went and improvised another track underneath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing just crazy things. But I, I had the guitar... Because I've got a, a, a couple cool fuzz faces. And, uh, oh, yeah. And also, I have this little... Uh, um, I love small amps. Because oh. you can make them, depending on how you mic them, you can you can make them sound massive. Right, okay. Know? And uh, basically, I just had... The guitar sounded like it was on fire. I had so much sustain. You know? <laughs> like a, uh, and then... In sections, I use the Evo as well. So yeah, I but literally, that. you almost didn't need the Evo. It was that hot. Oh wow! Like, yeah, and the other thing is, I had this guy. Uh, actually, his house just burnt down oh, like a God. month ago. He oh. he lives in the the Midwest. He has this uh, company pedal company called Melody Pedals. Oh, cool! And he made the, me this uh, pedal that I've always wanted to have. Okay. Which is like a, a clean octave boost pedal. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so this is really important for my Strat because my Strat, I hate the way it sounds now without, without the clean boost. Really? This just gives it a big overhead presence. Oh, it, wow. You know, it makes the pickup sound more like a humbucker, you know? Oh, cool. Okay. So it's really... But then I have a, I have it so I can just click on. So I wanted a small pedal so I could travel with it. Right. Because I travel just with a bag. Okay. And, uh, and a gig bag and then a, a backpack. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, you travel light. And so, uh, yeah, I said, oh, can we orient? Because he made this in a big box. Right. I said, can we take the small footprint and just, and then, you know, so I got a switch, and it'll just leave it so it's just the clean uh, boost. Or yeah. then I switch it again, and then it's the uh, octave, like oh, the high yeah. octave, like the Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, you know, Band of Gypsies sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But what's cool is I have this Fishman um, pickup that I I I got. Um, like an endorsement thing with Fishman. Okay, cool. And I didn't use it for many years. And then one day and I was in playing a show in Genova and I decided to plug it in and I've, I've used it live ever since. Oh, I see. And it's a very great pickup. It's, it's like, it slides into the sound hole. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then it's got this microphone, like on a goose neck that okay. goes inside so it picks up the natural acoustic sound as well, and I can blend. But anyways, I can I can use these pedals, my fuzz faces and stuff, with the acoustic guitar now because of this pickup. Oh wow! You know? And it's really fun for me because you know I was a I was kind of more of a, a purist for a long time, just okay. the acoustic sound. Yeah. But now live, I just reached the point where I just like to have fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, at, at least I'm doing things organically and I'm not relying on loops, but I'm I'm definitely, I have uh, some nice little things where I can vary the tone if I need, 
you know. Yeah, to do that. it helps you be, it, I mean, it can help inspire you, help, help, be, help your creativity out a lot. Yeah, and John, John Martin's a good example of oh, somebody, you know, jungle. playing the acoustic guitar and it's still sounding really cool and then having that echoplex sound and then, or, or he would play with like a fuzz or distortion, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I love John I, Martin. I just love that, you know, it's like, anyways, I think life's too short to be such a purist and you know <laughs> yeah. just like oh it can only be this one way and yeah, yeah why, that's, <laughs> you know. why limit yourself i mean that nothing advances yeah. if if you i mean i can understand some some of it to a point but then you're not advancing anything you're not making anything new yeah exactly <laughs> speaking of new you've done some pretty interesting covers uh you've done Bad Moon Rising, which you took a, a spooky uh, yeah. song and made it even spookier. I see the bad moon rising. I see trouble on the way. I see earthquakes and lightning. I see bad times today Don't go around tonight It's bound to take your life There's a bad moon on Yeah, And then I saw a live video where you, you go into Masters of War into uh, In My Time of Dying Ah, uh, yeah, yeah That was that, really cool Now that kind of came out of uh, the influence many, many years ago. I took, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I, I took, uh, well, I met Martin Simpson and uh, I, I ended up taking lessons off of him, you know? Okay. Uh, he He's another influence on my slide. He's great slide guitarist. Right. And also, he was influential on me with the uh, um, alternate tunings, you know. Okay. He's, he's really a master at that. And But on one of his early records, he does uh, Masters, Masters of War. Okay. Okay. And he does it in that drop C tuning, which I do also. Yeah. But... At the same time, I loved the early Bob Dylan records. And then, so Dylan covered uh, uh, In My Time of Dying on, on his first record. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, so the idea, I don't know, I just kind of uh, blended those two elements together. I blended uh, Martin Simpson's vibe yeah. Uh, Masters of War, right? And then covering Dylan, and then <laughs> Dylan covering um, I forget Josh White. I think he took Josh White's oh, version yeah. of "In My Time of Dying," and that's what you hear on the record. Oh, I wanted to, and yeah. those things work so well live. I love. I haven't been able to make a proper recording of that yet. But I, I got to tell you, playing that live is just one of my favorite things to do. 
I, you know, I love it. The only thing I issue I had with it was the recording. I don't, I don't know if I like the doorbell that I hear throughout it or the cars in the background. You might want to get rid of the, uh, the cars in the background and the doorbell. Although the doorbell made it, it made it interesting, but it's, <laughs> actually to be honest, I mean, it was really cool. It's, it's uh, I wasn't expecting that progression and it was just, it was a great performance. It really, really blew me away. Yeah. I, I kind of tend to uh, go for working with uh, songs that, you can develop a mood and color, like a soundscape around a good uh, song with, with good lyrics. So if the lyrics have a, a vibe about it, then you can expand the guitar around that to enhance the, the mood. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, I play uh, Towns Van Zandt, Rake. Oh, okay. And, I ended up recording that, and that's such... I love playing that song live. That just... Uh, I recorded that and, and put it out on, you know, iTunes and stuff like that, but actually I didn't even know the song very well when I did that. I'm, I'm so much better at, at doing that live now, and I, oh, I just... Cool. Every time I play it, it takes on a new life of its own, you know? Oh, that's awesome. So, and on the so, the album, you actually have your is it your piano debut on uh, Django. Yeah, I had uh, recorded some other things, and I was thinking about releasing like two albums, like an experimental. Because literally, I never played piano ever in my oh, really? life. Never <laughs> ever. Wow. And I it wasn't until and then I bought this old German Beckstein. Oh, cool. In uh, LA. And uh, that thing held together. We found it near a lake for practically no money, wow. about uh, an hour and a half from here. And we got somebody to tune it. And then subsequently, I learned how to tune it. Oh, cool. And, uh, so I can tune pianos now. Wow. Just so I can maintain it. <laughs> but the, the thing that happened, I think the climate and the environment was so different after we had it professionally tuned, there was like, I did a bunch of recordings. And then a month later, I went to Switzerland for um, for a week to do some shows. Okay. When I came back, the, the piano was practically, it exploded. Whoa. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's from the 1890s, you know. Oh, wow. Like the pins, the pins don't even hold, they, they, they slip. Oh, geez. So it doesn't hold tune anymore. It's a phenomenal sounding piano, but it really needs a lot of uh, internal work. Yeah. Eventually, uh, it's been, I don't know, maybe six months ago, I sold uh, kind of a dear instrument to me, a Les Paul, oh. because I, I, I wanted Adele to have a working piano, you know? Yeah. 
So and I thought it was more important that she have a good working instrument. And, you know, she's she does a lot of her own music, but she also, you know, she's learned to play Beethoven and Chopin and wow. Sati, like, you know, in, in seven, eight months, she can play beautifully, you know. Wow. She played when she was, uh, uh, not seriously, but I guess regularly when she was a little girl, you know. Oh, okay. So she had already had some kind of aptitude, you know, towards playing it, but yeah. it had been, what, 20 years or something, you know. Wow. Good so, uh, but yeah, for me, I was like, I started playing the piano and I had a, Shanti and I in Maine, we had a piano and it was a beautiful piano, but I, I never connected with it. And, yeah. Uh, I always kind of struggled to play and it wasn't until I got this German piano that suddenly uh, I got inspired to start. And it, it makes sense to me in the way that you play it. Okay. And how the keyboard's laid out. You know, I see it as in patterns in a visual way. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But for sure, at, at this stage in my life, I'm never going to have the technical, like the the facility <laughs> to play it properly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I definitely have a lot of ideas, and I love I love the instrument. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's just really it's hard enough to find, uh, you know. Yeah, I've, I've, I love so many different kinds of instruments, but I but I always keep coming back and saying, no, you 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 need to focus on the guitar. It's like it's already been, it's a life's work, constantly in progress. You know what I mean? But yep. It's uh, it really guitar requires you to to play it. Yeah, you have to stay. If you stop playing for any length of time, you lose so much. Yeah, you know? I I agree. I'm I'm amateur guitarist, and I haven't played in a long time. And I when I try to pick it up, it's yeah, it's like starting completely from scratch again. Yeah, it's, it obliges you to play it. Yeah, it really, yeah, it really does. It's it's interesting, and I mean, I love the instrument. Uh, I really love the instrument you know, deeply, yeah. <laughs> profoundly. Well, it comes but, through in the uh, music for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always interesting though. You know, it's like, uh, can be a struggle. Like sometimes, uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't gifted with this like massively, uh, limber, uh, right hand Yeah. for doing, uh, so I really have to work on certain aspects of my technique, you know, but, okay. um, but yeah, for the composition, it's not like I was saying. It's not important because that's coming from a different place, you right. know. But so yeah, the 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 title track uh, and and the album yeah the album title track "No Love Is Sorrow." I it's a beautiful song, but I kind of want to know how you, how you mean it because the title can is a can be a little the way it's phrased is it can be a little ambiguous, like "No Love Is Sorrow" or Having no love is sorrow, or no love is sorrow. Like any type of love, there is no sorrow involved in it. So, which way? It, it, it's completely like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. The important thing is also, though, 
It was uh, one of my my favorite uh, Pentangle songs. Okay. On certain things you hear in life, they they just keep coming back around, you know. And uh, there's uh, for sure it has that aspect about it. It's such a strong phrase; it can have so many meanings. Yeah, exactly. You know? And uh, for sure, it applies to my my life and all my various situations, <laughs> you know, my life experiences. So uh, it just for sure it it when it arrived, when I thought about that phrase, I said that that's the name of the album. Boom, wow. done. You know, and the album was pretty much uh, finished in the way that it was and i have i had a lot of songs that were kind of reflecting on like for for adele it was written you know in this period when we got the piano i was thinking about the guitar in a piano pianistic way right okay So she was really struggling. Uh, she was doing some teaching. She was uh, have, having a hard time adjusting uh, to these classes and teaching. And she really kind of was very down. And uh, so this music started coming with me thinking about that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so that kind of tied into it, you know. Okay. Uh, and then... Uh, What's interesting is it's the album's primarily about you know in in many regards uh, it's about Adele or you know things or or like Marie it, my grandmother just died in February oh, and that sorry. music that mother that music she was you know very important person in my life and she uh, was kind of like when I was growing up like my second mom yeah. you know so. Um, that music just wrote itself oh, after wow. she died, and and so I I said, oh, I'm putting this on the record, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it came at the last last minute. Oh wow! But and then uh, Django, actually, uh, you can have the the scoop here. Yeah, all right. Uh, it's my cat. Oh <laughs> really? Died. Oh. <laughs> oh my! Who God. I lo- who I love very much, and he was part of the family for twenty years. I mean, oh wow! You know, uh, I found him in Maine and and brought him up to the apartment, and uh, he fell in love with Shanti, and they became very close. And, yeah, yeah, but oh. he was always a, a part of the, the family, you know. Yeah, we called him Django because he had an extra claw, like as opposed to. Django Reinhardt, who, you <laughs> who was, you know, Django had too much. Yeah, you know? so he was an ironic Django. 
Yeah. So actually, so yeah, a lot of the songs are actually quite heavy in that regard. Well, no, you had a you had a, a bit of a Django moment yourself. You, you had an accident with a router. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. This finger is all like scar tissue. Oh, my gosh. I was working uh, in the – for seven years, I worked for uh, Dana Bourgeois in Maine. Okay. And then uh, it was great because uh, I worked for him, and we had a small group of guys. We were building all the guitars, and then uh, when I got done working uh, for him, I, you know, eventually we I had uh, use of the shop, and I started making my own guitars, you know. Oh, wow. But anyways, years doing the same job, I was working on his guitars one morning, and this jig, it started to wear out a little bit, and I was doing the same thing I would always do. It's like uh, like this, uh, well, no, I don't have one here, but there's a strip on many guitars. Oh, yeah, yeah. End. Yes. I was routing that out and uh, with a handheld router. Oh, well, wow. the jig that I would mount the guitars up got so loose that uh, for, I'd say, a good year, I would put my ha hand underneath yeah. and steady it and do the route with one hand. Oh, wow. Well, one day, it just kind of slipped off, and and it went down, and my pinky was hanging out, and... Oh, ran, ran over it. Oh, geez. That was pretty crazy. And, uh, wow. Has that affected yeah. your playing at all? Well, I couldn't play for a long time, you know, and, and, uh, I had to wear this big cast. I, there's a picture somewhere cause, uh, Shanti and I, we had an Arborea gig in Portland, Maine. And I was, uh, you can see me all bandaged up still playing and, oh, wow. I'm playing sliding. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, so, so that's scary, but yeah, I can't really, it's very, it's numb even now. There's wow. It's hard. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It what's what's strange though. Cause literally when it happened, you could see the path where the router built. Oh, really? Wow. But it eventually like grew back round, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's totally dead. Oh my you know, gosh! It's hard. It's very hard to use that finger properly. Oh, you didn't. You didn't have to do a, a Tony Iommi where you like made some kind of cap for your fingers or anything. No, I that's mean, good. yeah, that's a strange thing. But but if you see it in person, like you can see, it's all like scar tissue. Wow. You know. Oh my gosh. I'm fortunate that it grew back in a in a way in a way that it doesn't look. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the I, distance, yeah, I can't tell from here. I just, I, I was, <laughs> I just read about it. I'm like, oh, I, you just reminded me. I got to ask about that. Yeah, I mean, the other day I cut, I cut that finger really bad as well on a piece of glass that <laughs> oh, my son dropped, and uh, although it healed really fast, it took a week, but it really sliced it long ways on the underside, so I couldn't use that. Oh, and of course, everybody, everybody's like. Uh, all these friends of mine are like, ah, you play slide guitar. It's no problem. Keep... Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I I do use this for chords a lot. Yeah. So it's, it is hard to play a lot of the stuff that I play. Oh. Uh, if I don't use this to a certain, you know, 
the way that I've developed being yeah. able to play with it. Yeah. So, so your yeah. album, your your album is uh, coming. Is it out already, is, or is it coming out? So, so I released it digitally just because there's no, you know, I was going to wait till October to to do the vinyl and CD everything. Yeah. But with being stuck, I said no. I I I have to get some kind of hopefully income, you know, yeah. streaming in somehow. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, it's a, you know, in the end, most of my records they're kind of like they they come out digitally and then a couple months later the vinyl comes out it's it's never been timed up perfectly anyways okay. but for sure this will be the longest uh um spread i think fingers crossed that we'll be able to get it out on vinyl in october oh good which uh i'm hopefully there will be some uh form of touring possible by then yeah in, smaller places or we'll see you know yeah yeah it's it's a weird weird time for everybody right now but especially for people who rely on touring and and yeah. public gatherings for income it's it's A anyways i don't really want to i have a couple small recording projects that i want to work on and the, my friend will soul who goes by the name prana crafter out and uh out on the western west coast of the u.s he um yeah we, we have this idea to do some recording together uh and i've already got like a head for an electric guitar piece like a, a melody and then most of it will be improvised you know oh good and, uh, that's cool anyways the the compositions on this new album really require me to spend a lot of time playing them all the time. Yeah. And actually, for Adele, is very difficult to play. I'm used to using the entire width of the fingerboard. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and it's using all kinds of shapes. It's very complex. I stopped playing that three months ago, so now I have to relearn it. Like, oh, I have got my plate full with this record, so I'm not, like, really, like, one of these people that are anxious, like, oh, I'm in lockdown let me see how many albums I can, right. you know, yeah. like, no, I, I've already got like 50 songs that I have to rehearse in any given week to wow. maintain the catalog that I do. So, um, and each one of those is very specific about how I'm, uh, getting the tone of things, you know? So yeah. it's like, I've already, there's, there's not any, I'm not in any rush to <laughs> suddenly materialize a new album when this thing's uh, still going to have a, a life of its own for the next few years. You yeah. Know? So, well, where can people find it? How can they How can they buy it and help support you in this crazy, insane time? And so, uh, Bandcamp's, uh, you know, definitely the uh, a good way to that we get direct you know, artists get direct support from. Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's available everywhere. Amazon, Apple Music's another big thing. Uh, Spotify, my God. <laughs> yeah. Such, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, you don't get any money from it, but uh, that's another way. I mean, yeah. get a fraction of something. Yeah, you know? it's... Um, 
So yeah, I guess it's definitely distributed through every uh, every platform in the world. Oh, wonderful! So, yeah, yeah. I know I've kept you for quite a while, but uh, I mean, thank you so much for spending so much time with me. I, I've, it's been a blast yeah. talking with you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.